0: Welcome to the Renewable Energy Hour. Uh, and I can hear Alex in the background, so I know I kept him connected. Uh, we're on phone. We couldn't get Skype to work right. Um, hey, Alex, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing
0: all right. Let me Happy you. fire season. Happy fire season. Well, it, it started a while ago already. but uh, Yeah. There, there's a lot of. This is, this is the
1: first I've seen of it, so.
0: Yeah, there, we had a sizable one on 253 a month ago, um, but uh, here we go. Um, let's not enjoy the ride, I guess. Uh, anyhow, how are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I've
1: been uh, working in the field with some new equipment, so I've been learning some lessons the hard way here and
0: there. Oh, what, what kind of new equipment?
1: Uh, new different brands of uh lithium iron phosphate batteries um, i've got uh i've got these new ones i've been dealing with that have a different format than other ones and uh the uh most of the ones i've been dealing with don't have active cooling they don't need to because the lithium iron phosphate battery is nice and stable but some of the batteries i've been dealing with lately have cooling fans in them and require a whole lot of clearance around them so i've got a room if i was using other types of batteries i could fit four times as much capacity in the same space
0: huh why are they so worried about heat
1: i don't know i don't know i was just discovering this and this was my first run with this brand and uh i unfortunately made some assumptions before i got into it but uh it's just a ridiculous design when you don't have to to have to use that much extra space um requiring clearance around every battery so if you start getting into uh you know design for a battery it's one of those things that yeah, i wouldn't think that it would be so much variation but this power room that we designed uh you know plus 120 square feet and all that so it's you know pretty small little building it'd usually be plenty big to have put in the original design plus uh be able to double it uh if we want to but these batteries are just eating up space because of their clearance requirements, and you know, according to the manufacturer's uh, instruction manual. Okay. So they are not all created the same just because they have the same chemistry. Uh,
0: and should I ask what brand this is? Kilovolt. Kilovolt. Oh, I've, I've heard of them.
1: Cool. yeah. Beware! They are uh, they're very big for their relative capacity. So well, it's- I feel like I take a step backwards.
0: <laughs> You're going back to lead acid days, huh? As
1: far as size, it doesn't weigh about two hundred eight pounds or something like that too. So definitely a multi-person lift. But there's other you know, lithium iron phosphate batteries now that I can lift by myself or at least you know with one other person. But this is getting ridiculous again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Well,
1: fine, fine,
0: fine well i I wanted to talk tonight about some things that came up on our first show back uh, I guess I'd never even said I'm Doug Livingston and this is Alex Aracon um, and I and I have some new hardware in my mouth so I'm don't have the hole I used to have but I'm still trying to retrain my tongue to slightly different geometry so you may still hear me with a slight speech impediment uh, any, uh-huh. anyhow uh I wanted to talk about, you know, ways that uh, we can get more renewable energy on the grid. Uh, And one person last show, you know, asked, you know, how much more do we have to get on the grid if, you know, everybody were to truly shift in a fairly rapid way to electric vehicles? I mean, right now it's still challenging to, you know, cover our existing electrical consumption. And if we suddenly, you know, had half of our transportation fully on 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 electric that'd be a lot bigger demand he actually had a number i forgot what that number was you know the total amount of charging of kilowatt hours that would be added to the grid's load and it'll be substantial um and and we would like it to be coming from renewable energy and not from fossil fuels to reduce the carbon emissions as much as possible both for you know our regular electricity use and for our transportation of course if it's coming from you know solar and wind uh you know every all your electricity is solar and wind then there would be zero emissions except for the embodied energy and you know manufacture uses uh for transportation um but that's hard to do uh we're we get into trouble when we put a bunch of solar and wind on the grid, because we don't have uh, a way to balance, you know, when the supply is there with when the load is there. With the old traditional fossil fuel plants, coal and natural gas in particular, modern natural gas plants, they can ramp up and ramp down very quickly. Um, and a big part of their operating costs is the fuel they consume. So if they're ramped down, it's not a nightmarish loss. Uh, they'd rather be putting out power all the time for them to be economically viable but, uh, but they can afford it more than, than say coal can uh, and certainly nuclear which costs about the same amount to run at full power as at 20% power um, but we need ways to balance off uh, when power is available from renewables with when it's not um, and there, there's a long list of strategies we could we could do to to help alleviate those imbalances and uh uh you know one i want to put right at the top and then let it go but it's probably the most important at all we've got to consume less um uh you know particularly if you want to start driving on electricity instead of that instead of gasoline um and uh, you know, I'd like to rattle through a long list of things and and address a couple of specifics. And Alex, jump in should you feel the urge at a particular point. Um, one thing I think we need to do is put in more solar and wind than we can use all the time. Uh, that that was one interesting conclusion from a study. Uh, I guess it was university of Delaware came up with was that that was actually cheaper than doing storage. Uh, another strategy is to put in, you know, chemical battery storage systems that will be able to, you know, take in excess energy when there's more coming in from solar and wind than is being used. And then put that out in times when, uh, when the renewable isn't covering the loads. Um, Another strategy is to uh, get more long-distance transmission lines in so that, you know, when there's excess in one part of the country, it can be shipped off to another part of the country. I know that sounds uh, horrendous, and and yes, uh, high power extension lines are ugly and fairly expensive. Uh, They don't lose as much electricity as a lot of people seem to think, but uh, that's also an issue. The less we do that, the better, but it's it's a key option in fact that's one of the problems texas has because it it is hardly connected to the rest of the u.s grid at all and so they had they had problems they couldn't bring in power from elsewhere when their systems weren't performing um uh, the storage issue uh Well, i perhaps address a couple other things. Uh, I think there's a huge amount of untapped uh, resource in in geothermal that we should be considering exploring. Uh, That's a a relatively benign one. Uh, It's got some issues, uh, but there are ways to avoid, you know, bringing up the heavy metals and things like that, or at least letting them out. Most of them are are closed-loop now. Um, They do still require some external water for cooling, Uh, Although I gather there are ways to do that with very, very little water. Uh, But those are more expensive systems. So, of course, that's a barrier in our economic urging. Uh, But, boy, global warming is a way bigger barrier to me. Uh, I think we should be considering wave energy, uh, which this county kind of, chased out the experimental field that was being proposed a number of years back Uh, maybe people who have strong feelings about that want to argue me down Uh, perhaps in a similar category and i'm not a big fan of it but uh, new nuclear power they are very low carbon emitting sources of electricity i think they're not well thought through highly dangerous and we don't know how to deal with the waste yet but uh, there'll be some people who would like to argue with that and, and have some valid points. Um, probably the most popular solution these days is is looking at battery storage, which Alex, you've been doing a ton of work with with battery related grid connected systems. Um, yeah. And uh, and and you've even looked at some fuel cell systems. Um, in fact, that, that's one one thing I didn't list in my list of things. If we put in more solar and wind than we can use all the time, what do you do with that power when you're not using it? Of course, you can just turn off the turbine and not make the power or turn off the solar array and not make the power. Uh, but one thing I think we should be doing is doing you know relatively inefficient, but it was going to be thrown away anyhow, the power, uh, making hydrogen. And uh, hydrogen, right. hydrogen can be used in fuel cells. It can be relatively well stored. It does like to leak, so it has to be fairly expensive storage equipment. Uh, it's not highly transportable because uh, you have to, you know, seriously compress it to very high pressures to get enough energy density to make it useful for transporting on, you know, a truck or something like that. But it is easily piped. In fact, there are a number of experimental gas-fired plants that are mixing hydrogen with their their natural gas to to get a you know a bigger bang for the buck in terms of the carbon emissions per kilowatt hour generated and and they're moving toward ones that could work entirely off of hydrogen uh so that would be one way to do some long-term storage that doesn't degrade and is not as expensive as batteries um so, that's another possible way to, you know, get more solar onto the grid. Um, but, you know, it keeps coming back to batteries for most people, and there's been a huge movement toward batteries. Do you have any idea, Alex, you know, how many megawatt hours of battery storage you know, has gone in in California that's connected no, to the I
2: grid? I have
1: no idea how, many, uh, how much storage has actually been put online. But, I, you know, as you're talking about,
0: I, I I bet you most of it is in you know a couple of big utility scale, you know state mandated and partially funded, gigantic industrial battery banks, uh, and not so much all the all the individual houses that have done it. What were you gonna right. say?
1: I was gonna say there's uh, yeah, there's always been the issue where. Conserving energy is the better way to go. Anytime you can, it's always cheaper to yep. conserve energy or you know, use it more efficiently. And it is to produce new energy. And I think what we're really underutilizing right now is uh, smart grid grid management.
0: Yeah, that um, was that was one that was on my list that I did not mention. I'd talk about smart grid management.
1: Yeah, uh, when you take a look at how much power we have, um, there's all these different. Uh, Issues we're running into, like, we have a whole lot of production at any one point. We're always trying to match our production to our usage, uh, you know, at any time. Um, but what our biggest uh, loads are for heating and cooling. Uh, you know, of course, there's electric vehicles coming online now, too, but uh, you know, the, the opportunistic things that we... Need to use it for heating and cooling, but our design for heating and cooling of our houses and stuff is pretty much immediate. Like, oh, we want to cool the house now. Let's cool it now. We want to heat it now. Let's heat it now. Whereas, if we could like have it so that houses and such were designed with more thermal mass, to uh, so where we could cool it, you know, during peak production times when there isn't such a high, you know, demand on the grid. Seems like we could balance out a lot more of our power, you know, when it's being used. Uh, so it could be, so it could be used more evenly, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the day, rather than having huge peaks in the afternoon and the early evening. Uh, maybe we could smooth some of that out, and then our uh, our grid would be able to carry a lot more power efficiently, even without, even without making a you know, larger transmission uh, capabilities. We have the controlled technology available. I think it's just a matter of people not wanting to have a centralized control or not wanting to... there's some resistance there.
0: Well, there's also the strategy with cooling to, you know, basically make ice during the off-peak hours and cool with it during the high-peak hours uh, so you could have smart air conditioners that can shift modes based on, you know, anticipated grid loads with signals from the grid. There are already, you know, race structures out there where if you're willing to, you know... Put up with having the utility turn off your air conditioner for, you know, two hours, four days a year or something, you get a, a better electric rate and that sort of thing. Um,
1: right. So, like, consumer end devices that were able to do things like, oh, let's, let's start this cooling, this, uh, you know, this uh, massive, uh, you know, this thermal mass. Like, you could have a tank of, you know, some fluids or something like that that are, you know, good. Uh, a good thermal storage system. So you could cool it during off-peak hours, and then you could draw off of that so to continue to cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if it, if it were a simple system, it would be uh, you freeze a big block of ice in the morning, you set that block of ice in front of a fan in the evening, you know? Yep. yep. <laughs> That's a simplified version of it. Again, some sort of thing like that working, uh, you know, where there's a product that was available to, you know, everybody. Uh, you know, you could really... Uh, you could really Start to even out what was on the grid. I don't know what the incentives would that would be. Is it is it like having really expensive uh, time of use power so expensive that one? The people start investing in technologies
0: that are yep. going to yep. uh, be able to by well, that or what? That was one of the things that fueled the explosion of solar on the grid in California was when they uh, allowed solar net metering on the time-of-use rate structures. And the, at the time, the time-of-use rate structures were, you know, three to one on-peak and off-peak. And the solar was was coming in, you know, during the on-peak time. And and it's a little confusing when people say the peak power is, you know, if you look at the rate structures these days from uh, PG&E, that it's, you know, between 4 and 9 p.m. That's not true. The peak power happens at about 2 p.m., but it's no longer the hardest time for the utility to meet the demand because the solar is all jamming we took down that Mm -hmm. peak power and that's why now we have peak power that stretches to nine in the evening because we removed the the problem with meeting the highest demand in the in the early afternoon when the when the air conditioners are going the worst in general. Uh, and since we solar has shaved that off, now the peak power has shifted from noon to 6, it used to be. Now it's, you know, 4 to 9. doesn't mean we consume the most power between 4 and 9, but it does mean that's when the utility has the hardest time meeting the demand. Um, and, uh, you know, one strategy, uh, you know, for for that, and you you were talking about it last week, and uh, we didn't have numbers on the tip of our fingers, but, you know, one historically people with residential solar grid-connected systems that had batteries, the battery's primary reason was to be there for, for a backup power during a power outage. You know, whether it's the big earthquake or the winter storm or the power safety shutdown or what have you. Um, if you had a decent battery bank and you were reasonably conservative and the solar was still able to charge the battery bank during sunny days during that power outage, it sh- certainly worked well during power safety shutdowns since those tend to happen in sunny weather and perhaps a little more problematic in in winter storm outages, but, uh, but that was the main use people use batteries for. And, and now we're starting to look at people who are, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, when the sun power starts to leave your panels in the late afternoon, early evening, and you're still in the peak demand rates, uh, all the way till 9 p.m., say, on pg es residential structure. Uh, you, would, you would consume power from your batteries, you know, until 9 p.m. to reduce the amount you, you drew in from the grid during those peak hours when your solar wasn't working. And then you would have to sacrifice some of your solar energy in the morning, or you could do it with utility, but that sort of defeats the purpose. Um you sacrifice some of your solar energy in the morning instead of sending it back onto the grid you send it to recharge the batteries you used the evening before and you're ready to do it again the next evening and do you see people actually doing that are you programming systems to do that much uh, there's some of
1: that going on um it's kind of uh there's there's some other factors that limit it um like the capacity of a battery bank and how much of it you're willing to cycle,
0: right? In uh, case there have, is a power outage.
1: Yeah, because if you have a battery bank and for the sake of the grid, you you depleted it down to you know 30 or less, uh, you know, and then suddenly there's a power outage. You know, you might not be able to make it through the night. So um, there's some percentage of your battery bank that you can dedicate to the, to be able to basically stabilize the grid. I think the incentive though really comes within that nasty, uh, you know, time of use meters, uh, you know, different differentiation of costs in different times of day. Um, You know, there's there's some equipment that's coming up to be really smart and actually communicates with the grid. Uh, There's other stuff that's kind of more chunky and just works according to your batteries. I I just just see this, I see this future uh, out there where, where. the best answer, I think, to make this more efficient is going to be, you know, more of a smarter distribution system that includes these, you know, battery power systems.
0: Well, w- one thing, uh, you were a little astounded at me on the last show was we were, I was saying, you know, it costs more to cycle the battery than the price difference in the off-peak and, and peak power. So you would actually be losing money to do what I had just talked about and and you didn't think that was possible so i did a little homework uh i picked oh, good. i picked the uh, the simplify 3.8 kilowatt battery bank at a fairly low pr- price retailer which is probably about what most contractors would be marking it up to added on local tax but didn't add on any shipping and using their manufacturer spec of 10,000 cycles at 80% depth of discharge uh that, that ended up uh, over its lifetime being 9 cents a kilowatt hour of battery wear and tear. That is, you know, I, I, I took 80% of the, capa- the 100% capacity of the battery bank times 10,000 cycles and divided that into the cost of the battery bank and it came out to 9 cents per kilowatt hour over the lifespan of the battery. And that's so if you can come, if you can come
1: ahead by more than nine cents uh, savings per kilowatt hour, then you, you've got a
0: yeah, good and deal. In it. And it probably should be more than that because I didn't include the inefficiency of the inverter or the batteries. Although the batteries are really efficient, it's the inverter that's going to be throwing away you know five seven percent a typical battery based <laughs> inverter. Um, but sure. yeah, so, something in the neighborhood of ten cents a kilowatt hour has got to be the price difference before you're breaking even on that sort of uh, on peak off peak shuffle. Um, and the first rate structure I looked up that most of the people I knew of late who have been on was the the TOUB, and I did the the homework, and it was ten point three cents a kilowatt hour price difference, and that was just you know Monday through Friday, June first through uh september 30th or whatever um so just those days of the year could you get that big of a price difference uh on the weekends and all year long and in the winter uh it was less than two cents so you know it really only made sense to even think about doing it monday through friday for four months a year uh and then i also noticed that That rate structure, which was one of the most common when I was doing this sort of stuff a lot, is closed to new people. Uh, The TOUC, which is still open uh, to new customers, its price difference between on-peak and off-peak is 6.344 cents per kilowatt hour. Well below the lifetime cycling costs of of those batteries. Um, The TOUD was 9.5 cents difference and so all of those seemed you know incredibly marginal to me to be considering doing that strategy despite how much pv sales folk are marketing that sort of thing uh but then i stumbled across the ev the electric vehicle rate structure and the price difference between on-peak and off-peak, because they still have an on-peak, off-peak, and part-peak, which the other ones just had on-peak and off-peak, and the off-peak was so much lower than the peak power. For the EV rate structure, which it looks like it implies you can still get on it with solar, but you have to have an electric vehicle in order to get on this, uh, the price difference is $0.42. Cents. <laughs> So, uh, if you're going to do that strategy with solar and batteries on the grid in, in PG&E's territory, uh, make sure you get an electric vehicle and you get on the EV rate structure, because then the strategy starts to be economically viable. Um. Okay, you got to have an account. A geek number cruncher, and I'm afraid I was talking too much, and we had somebody who was just calling in who probably had something really pertinent to this particular discussion, and and we've only got about 25 minutes left in the show, and that was the spiel I wanted to get out there and hopefully get some comments from people and, and others. So here's that caller calling back in, I hope. Hello, caller. You're live on the air.
3: Hey, another great show! Thank you so much.
0: What's up, David? <laughs>
3: hey, Doug, I hope you're feeling as well as you sound.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty well. Good I, for you. I, anyway, my, my tongue is needing I was
3: hoping it was going to be about batteries. The, my my big concern, and believe me, I love batteries, is the availability of the raw materials. Uh, there's all these cost structures that have been studied. How much, especially lithium, that's probably the major, major raw material, mm-hmm. how, how much do we have available and how long will it last? And I keep thinking, uh, the grandchild is sitting on grandpa's lap or grandma's lap, and how why did you have enough lithium batteries for your vehicle? And, and we didn't wait six months for my cell phone battery. Well, we've, acti-
0: we've actually found an awful lot of untapped sources of lithium. Lithium's not the one that worries me the most. Uh, I'm more worried about the technologies that use a lot of cobalt, just because there's really only one place in the world that's delivering cobalt cost effectively, and it's you know kind of like blood diamonds. It has some so it, real so it, social it, costs. To it's it.
3: part of the same uh, question. Then, in other words, the raw materials going into these batteries. Um, I, I, are we really kidding ourselves? Our government saying, "Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to have it all together, and by a certain year, the raw materials coming in, and the environmental costs, and the greenwash." I think I have a funny feeling there's greenwashing going along with the mining of these raw materials. So. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. I, mm-hmm. I hope we get to talk and talk
0: and talk and talk about this. Well, the the, the Taliban may not be up for it, but apparently the largest land deposits of lithium uh, were discovered during our Afghan war in in the the Pakistani and Afghan highlands. Um, so there's huge huge amounts available there. There's huge amounts available in the. Uh, underground water in the region of the Salton Sea that's fairly easy to extract and there was just recently uh, uh, a small-scale study that that projected it was economically viable to extract it from seawater at the very low percentage it is in seawater by some catalytic mechanisms. So how
3: many uh, tens or fifties or hundreds of years
0: before that's before that's up and 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 I think that was the caller who was most concerned about suddenly shifting to electric vehicles was you know are we you know even conceivably going to be able to to get you know enough renewable online you know to cover? All those electric vehicles, uh, in a way, that's going to have an impact. Well, keep in mind that transportation is the biggest source of emissions. Uh, yeah, and
3: we ha- we have yet to touch it with electric vehicles.
0: As percentage my whole wise,
3: is I think there's enough battery to go around to make every vehicle in the state of Delaware electric, and that's about it.
0: Right now, in the current l- rates of production. Yeah, right
3: now, in the in, next twenty in, years.
0: Oh in, in one year.
3: Or, uh, I bet
0: you that's a one year number, not a twenty year number.
3: Uh yeah, I I just don't know. I, I'm full of questions and uh Yeah,
0: you know, they, they certain they certainly have to ra- know
3: me, I'm pessimistic.
0: They certainly have to ramp up some things and you know, it's 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 a challenge, you know. I I'm not sure. Um and you know, we may be you know, tilting at windmills, so to speak. Uh
3: Anyway, thanks to you guys for uh, for bringing up the conversation.
0: All right. Thanks for the call, David. Good night. And for those of you who don't have our phone number memorized, if you've got something to say on the topic, uh, it's 895-2448. We already got another call coming in. Hello, caller, You're live on the air.
2: Hi. I'd like, I'd like to know how recyclable lithium-ion or lithium Phosphate
0: batteries are. Alex, what's the word on recycling uh, uh, lithium ferrous phosphate batteries?
1: Well, honestly, I've been a little bit into the uh, the propaganda, shall we say, coming from manufacturers, that it's all recyclable. Of course, there's going to be some limitations on that. I really really honestly don't know. uh, Except that I've heard that it is possible to mine the ...materials out of the batteries once the they are recycled. In a cost-effective way.
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they, they they haven't died yet. Yeah. Um, and that's one nice thing about them, you know, you Neil. Know.
2: It sure seems to me that a pile of lithium-ion batteries at the right facility, you can extract lithium more efficiently than from the ground or oh, from yeah. the water.
0: Oh, I, yeah. I would sure assume so. Um, and uh, So...
2: So recyclings, I mean, I've always loved the fact that lead-acid batteries are to pretty much recyclable and never felt bad about using them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad. I, haven't,
2: I haven't upgraded the lithium-ion batteries in my ham shack or my home, but I think the next time I have to replace lead-acid batteries, I'm going to look for lithium-ion.
0: Yeah, they're, they're getting competitive at last. Alex, Alex says they were competitive three or four years ago, but I, I would yep. say that's only for people who thought the idea of keeping track of the water level and their batteries and cleaning corrosion off the of cables was an unthinkable cost. Um,
2: <laughs> I just drove my Tesla from Mendocino to Santa Rosa to Ukiah and back to Mendocino it amazes me they can pack that much energy yeah. into a battery. That, I don't know what it weighs, 800 pounds or something.
0: You know, the, that's what's remarkable about lithium-ion and why they are the chemistry of choice in uh, in electric vehicles or any portable electronics is they're yeah. so much lighter per kilowatt hour stored than, than just about any other chemistry of batteries.
2: My son lives in Australia, and he worked for a place that has all kinds of lithium ion batteries in test equipment and after they're not using the you know that model anymore, they put it into recycling. He brought several thousand of them home, tested them you know three quarters of them were good, and he's building his own power wall
0: yep well i I gather that uh most e v Lithium-ion batteries get taken out of service when they're, you know, down to 80 percent of their original capacity. But that's still a lot of usable capacity, and and I gather that a significant number of them are being sold for use in in stationary backup power or even off-grid scenarios.
2: You have to, if you wanted a 24-volt system, you'd have to take the car battery apart and put it back together, wouldn't you? Uh. You do, although there are more and more
0: systems out there that uh, that are capable of dealing with the higher voltage of the battery bank as it is. Um, those would need to be packaged in one unit in order to be legal, one UL-listed unit in, in order to be legal in a residence in the U.S. under the National Electric Code. But uh, I expect there will be people who will be specializing in that and converting the the battery voltage of these battery banks to, you know, nominal 48 volts or something like that.
2: Do you know what the the battery voltage of of the, in the EV for, such as the
0: Tesla? Oh, they I've seen electric vehicle nominal voltages ranging from, you know, 72 volts to to 150, I wouldn't be surprised if some are even higher than that. Alex, you do you have any idea what voltage? Yeah.
1: D- big, bigly higher it's around two hundred. Yeah, know
0: yeah. Certain. I I thought two hundred was about as high as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: okay. Well, I really enjoy your show. Hey, and, thanks for the call. And, and Doug, I'm impressed with your physics background. You have a degree in physics, right? Yeah,
0: I did, and I taught physics for for a decade. hmm And yeah, and in a sense, I'm still teaching physics in the RE world.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your show.
0: Sure enough. Take care. Bye bye. And just a minute ago, we had all four lines lit up, and now they've all gone away. So if you were one of those people trying to get in during that last call, give us a call back at 895-2448. Any comments on hey, that? A, Go ahead, Alex.
4: There's a,
1: there's a website called Battery Recyclers of America that you can look on. There's a little piece from it. it says the Battery says, uh, the Mercury Containing Rechargeable Battery Management Act of 1996 is a federal law that was created to enhance the process of recycling battery waste. Recycling your spent lithium-ion phosphate batteries is part of this law, uh, so they're part of this whole uh, recycling, uh, you know, network that's available. So there is a centralized, uh, you know, recycling system set up for them. Cool. I'm gonna look at that more.
0: I'm curious what the costs are. Well, we've got a, a caller who hopefully called back in, one of the people who didn't make it before. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. that me? That's you. Hey. Hey. You hear that? I hear that. What's up?
4: Yeah. Blood lithium.
0: Oh, are you? Yeah. What about lithium?
4: Blood lithium is equal to what we call blood diamonds.
0: No, that's the cobalt in in some chemistries of lithium-ion batteries. Uh, the lithium is not. Um, and
4: lithium is mined under slave conditions.
0: I think you're thinking about the cobalt.
4: The cobalt, too.
0: And the cobalt is only one of, uh, of quite a few different lithium-ion lithium chemistries. Uh, I
4: know. I know what I'm talking about. This lithium and stuff. And then... The recycling is done by children
0: in Indonesia. Hello, Kyle. You're live on the air.
5: All right. Hey. So um, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, to that last caller, you know, I I work on the radio, and I dread people like you calling in. You're a jerk. We don't have seven-second delay, so they go by, and I hate it when someone like you calls in. Because you had nothing to offer whatsoever other than criticism about stuff that we're going to change in the future. And pal, I'll bet you bought your wife a diamond. So why don't you just take your whole little trip and um, do something else with it? Uh. Solar rules and batteries are coming along. Pretty soon someone's going to invent the salt battery and poof, that problem's going to go away. We're not going to look at battles anymore. We're going to look at some other way. Well, And um, and I really, thank you so I re- much for your great, great show. And pee on all of you guys that are going to sit there. You know, go rev up your 67 Camaro, dude. I'm going to leave you in the dust with my truck <laughs> made by Ford.
0: Are you going to get a lightning as soon as it comes
5: out? You bet. Right. Two twenty plug in the in the in the trunk, I can basically run my house off it. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it looks pretty amazing. And a reasonable price compared to all the other trucks that are coming online. And that was a big part yeah, of our conversation last year.
5: Yeah, great uh, range and and, uh, and it's made by Ford. It's not gonna be some bizarre thing. It's gonna be something that i recognize. Hell I drive a Ford now, so um anyway i wanted to say thank you very much to your show for your show and I listen as much as i can
0: <laughs> hey thank you and i I just uh realized that I accidentally flipped over to uh to our email and i'm catching an email. From somebody who said, "Did you really say happy fire season? Did we say that, Alex? I think we might have." Oh, yeah. I said that,
1: that was truly really bad of me. Oh.
0: <laughs> I think the next word in his email is "idiots!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, so the uh, that
1: was very insensitive of me. I realized I was being really sarcastic. Our, uh. our
0: apologies for that. That. Uh, I'm not sure that makes us the worst presenters on the radio, but uh, that was a goof, just like uh, my goof, not making sure the seven-second buffer was active. Um, but anyhow, Collar, thanks for thanks for the the support for the show. I'm not sure he he deserved quite as bad of a rant. He was concerned about a real a real issue, but I think he was confused between the lithium and the and the cobalt is the big issue.
5: Well, you know, <laughs> if you have an old diamond.
0: <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right.
5: Thank you so much hey, for the show.
0: Thanks for the call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hey,
4: I didn't buy my wife my wife a, a diamond. I bought her zirconium. Ah! I ride my and I ride a bicycle everywhere. Excellent. Around here in Fort Bragg. I I figured I figured you didn't deserve I as much grief as you forward. got. I do not use that.
0: Stuff. Excellent. And I
4: do not do that. I do not own a car, and I'm not into buying a, 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 a car that is powered by
0: I, anything. I, I figured you, did, you didn't I'm deserve. Not
4: into buying a car.
0: I figured you didn't deserve the, you to be ragged on quite here that much. you
4: not on a bicycle. All right. Thank you. Bye.
0: Good. Good. Thank you. I had my finger hovering over the dump button since the 7-second delay has been reactivated. But, yeah, I, I didn't figure he deserved quite that much. And he was concerned about a real issue. Um, I hear a phone ringing somewhere. Oh, people are calling other lines. If, uh, if people are calling into the office trying to get on the air, the the studio number is 895-2448 and they're they've all been answered so they're being informed of that or they're talking to the right people as we speak Um, so we got about 10 minutes left Uh, we'll take a few more calls we're going to have another fire update on the Redwood Valley fire uh, at 8 at the top of the hour here hello caller you're live on the air
6: Hey Doug
7: and hey Alex, you guys are wonderful, I've always enjoyed your show.
0: Well, I was Um, just told by an email that we're idiots. First of
7: all, I think you're wonderful, (laughs) and I love everything that you do and the information you give is fabulous. I want to let you know that one of the things that blows my mind is that these days, everything we talk about is how inexpensive or the cost of things or the portability of things or whatever do you know if we all would really think about what we're doing to our earth and the true cost of everything solar obviously is the most effective and the fact that we've been able to capture the solar and and, and bring it in all the time and batteries and stuff is amazing, but solar just in general is what powers our Earth. Yeah, it is. And I just want people to think about that and remember that because I think sometimes we get too far away from it when we commercialize it all, and not that you're commercializing it. I'm not saying that. I'm just wanting everyone to reconsider and think about the wonderful Power source that we have in the sun.
2: Yeah,
0: it's and it's huge. Uh, unfortunately, you can take that argument pretty far because coal is solar powered.
7: True, and and, and <laughs> well, so is oil. I mean, so all of oil, it is. So is
0: natural gas. But
7: those are the ones. Those were the original batteries. Yep. Those were the original batteries. Trees are batteries.
0: Pan-
7: uh, all, all of these things store it. If we are going to use it today, we can't use the batteries that were produced yesterday. We gotta use what we're producing today, or or what's being generated today.
0: Well, some people um, are, would make the argument that we should be going back to yes, to the original battery, and that's the biofuels. Is is letter- well again?
7: Bio- isn't biofuels part of the part of the? carbon, all the stuff that was produced back in the... Oh, no, no, was no, created. we're not talking
0: about uh, fossil fuels. Biofuels are part of the the current uh, carbon budget, not, not the stuff laid down 300 million years ago. So it's, but, it's, yeah. it's, it's plants pulling the carbon dioxide out of the air this past year, getting okay. used, and when they get used, they're just putting back the carbon that got taken out last year. But when you're burning coal... You're you're releasing carbon that's been sequestered for 300 million years and whatnot.
7: Yeah. And, and, and you guys know way, 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 way more than I do. All I know is that the sun heats my house and it gets really hot and I don't need this heat right now. And what we're trying to do, what we humans are trying to do is store the energy of today to, to help us later tonight or later when we need it. Um, and and that's important. I'm I'm not discounting that at all. All right. Um, but but in terms of um, looking at our our sources, our source for all of it is the sun.
0: It it is the vast majority. There's there's a little teeny tiny bit that comes from somewhere else, but we won't go there.
6: Wind comes from the sun. Wind comes from the sun.
0: The hydro, the waves. The the only one, the only ones that don't are uh, are geothermal and nuclear.
6: True. And I and I and I always.
7: From
0: do we? Yeah, we do actually. The 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 nuclear came from the energy of an exploding supernova. So I always Uh say it is solar. It just wasn't our sun.
7: Oh. Okay.
0: Yeah. And and the same idea for. For geothermal, most of the, the heat inside the center of the Earth is actually not stored heat from the creation of the Earth. It's heat generated by radioactive decay of of, of elements inside the core. And that came from that same supernova.
7: Thank you for, for helping me understand some things that I often wonder about. But uh, uh, I'm uh, just so amazed about our whole universe. It's and, a pretty um,
0: amazing place.
7: Anyway, thank you again. Hey, thanks I for the think call. You guys are wonderful, and I love listening to your show.
0: Thanks. We needed we needed a thumbs up or two. We've gotten a couple thumbs downs.
7: <laughs> oh no, you know? guys are wonderful. You are absolutely wonderful.
0: All right. Bye bye.
7: Bye bye.
0: Got full lines here. Let's see if we can get another call in. Hello, caller. You're live on the air.
8: Oh, hey. <laughs> Uh to the uh someone asked earlier about the voltage uh, of of a EV. and yeah. other, uh, EVs. And uh Teslas run about four hundred and something volts. Four hundred, Wow. there are some that are up there about eight hundred, but uh that's You're kidding between me between six and eight or no, no, not at all. Wow. Yep. Um and also to those who uh talk about the recyclability of the lithium ion batteries, for one thing, they're just aren't a whole lot of them to recycle at this point, um, uh, the, to actually where they need to be actually be broken down to their individual component uh, uh, parts or metals and and materials. Um, they, I, I would say compare them to the recyclability of 10 gallons of gas. <laughs> because that's what it comes down to. Fair First point. of all, they get a really long life before they need to be recycled. And then at this point, my understanding is that there's some a lot of very smart people who are working on this, going, "Hey, this is gonna, this is doable. It's just, it's no more difficult than creating the battery technology in the first place." And uh, and I really, I mean, I just, I can't say enough about lithium-ion batteries. I love them, and their their prices are just pl- have been plummeting.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Well. Anyway. And I'll yep. be I'll be glad to see them stop using cobalt which, uh, of course, Alex uses lithium iron phosphate, not the ones that use cobalt. But,
8: hey, thanks. and and I know, you know, the big mover, you know, I I understand Tesla is really putting, is really trying to get away from cobalt. That is their goal, to just eliminate it altogether and get away from it completely. Excellent. You know, they've been been key in lowering it to begin with.
0: All right. Thanks for the time. Anyway,
8: you guys have a great evening. All right coming up against the clock here. Yep,
0: we're coming up against the clock. We're going to have a hard cutoff in two minutes, so uh, let's let's take one call. We have less less than two minutes. Caller, what do you got to say?
6: Well, I just want to tell the listeners, tell you too, because I don't know if you know uh, that there's been recommendations to the Board of Supervisors and the Fort Bragg City Council by the Grassroots Institute to put a of a tag systems on their municipal buildings and to install electric vehicle charging stations and um and to pay for it to use part of one-time funds that they're getting from the american rescue plan act do you know where people we're, we're running out of time do you know you guys have heard about this do you know where and people could
0: find more information on that
6: do, do i have more information do you know
0: where people could find more information on that
6: yes they can um they can go to the grassroots institute website which is uh, www grassroots well they can just go on google or whatever search engine they go use and go to the grassroots institute in mendocino and we have okay. a climate action page the, the, that, the, the, that, uh, that's all
0: we that's all we got time uh, the for
6: body's gonna take it up on the 13th for uh, a vote to uh do um what, what are they calling this a resolution hey, of intent we're, we're intent
0: out of we're out of time but I'm glad you got that it. out there and uh alex we got Handful of seconds left. Anything you want to say before we come back two weeks from now? I can't talk that fast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I I can say something important. You're listening to KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. I'm Doug Lemison. This was Alex Aragon.